Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here and to share the Word of God with you. And continuing our series on faith, hope, and love, this morning I'd like to share with you about the Father's love, the love of the Father. And um, I want everyone to know this this morning, that God loves you. God loves you. And I'm not speaking to you corporately. I'm speaking to you individually. God loves you. And that's the most incredible statement. The psalmist said that God merely spoke and the, words came, the worlds came into being. And that God, he loves us. It's incredible. If you've got Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15, which is a story I'm sure you all know, which illustrates the love of the Father. And Jesus said this to illustrate the point further. He said, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money in wild living. About the time the money started to run out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home and say to my father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never even gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father looked at him. Dear son, You always have stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day, for your brother was dead, and now he's come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. You know, it's the most tremendous passage of Scripture that describes the all-consuming, all-forgiving love of God, because God loves you this morning. 
A school teacher once read this passage to his Sunday school class and decided at the end of the passage to ask the kids some questions. And he said, so who was, un- who was unhappy when the younger son returned? And little Johnny put his hand up at the back of the class and said, the fattened calf, sir. <laughs> Something I thought I would never say, but this scripture's actually written down wrong. But before you pick up stones and start throwing them at me, (laughs) because it's not the passage itself, it's the title of the passage, because in all the versions I've ever read, it describes it as the parable of the lost son, or the story of the lost son. And yet that is inaccurate, because it's the parable of the lost sons, and I I've recently bought a Bible, a new paraphrase called The Bible for Everyone. It's a paraphrase. And it actually breaks that up and it says the parable of the prodigal, the father and the younger son, the parable of the prodigal, the father and the older son. Because both sons were prodigals, they were lost for totally different reasons. One son, as we often read and preach about, he defies his father, he takes all his money, he goes off to a distant land, He falls into sin and eventually comes to his senses and he returns home. He confesses his sins. The father embraces him. He restores all the fortunes that he's taken back to him with no consideration or accounting of the wealth that was squandered. And it's a scripture that we're all familiar with, which speaks about restoration and repentance and salvation and God's forgiveness. Because God loves you. But then there was the other son, the good son who stayed at home, served his father, never seemed to put a foot wrong, but was so unhappy when his younger brother came home. And as I've read through various commentaries, the second son represents the Pharisees, who were unable to accept this type of forgiveness and were tied up in all sorts of religious tape. And I concur with all that, but there was one verse that I was drawn to right at the very end, In verse 31, and his father says to the son, he said, Look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. And everything he has is ours this morning by his love because God loves us. God loves us. When I was first saved, I struggled with a scripture. And let me be clear, it's not wrong to struggle with scriptures. (laughs) There are many scriptures that we struggle with, but we struggle with them, um, and I think a word wrestle is better. We wrestle with some scriptures because when we wrestle with them, we wrestle with them in the belief that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us what that scripture is saying in our lives. But some scriptures, we can wrestle with them so long that we allow them to shape our lives in the wrong way. We get the wrong interpretation of them. And one of those scriptures for me was in Luke chapter 7. And I won't read it all, but it's a story when Jesus goes to Simon's house and a woman of, some of the words, some of the Bibles describe it, a woman of ill repute arrives at the house and she's somewhat scorned by Simon. And She wets, she cries at Jesus' feet, she washes Jesus' feet with her tears and she dries them with her hair and she anoints him with oil. And Jesus then tells this story of two men who were loaned an amount of money, one 500, one 50 pieces of silver. And neither of them could repay and the the loaner of the money cancelled the debt. 
And Jesus asked Simon, he said, so who do you suppose loves me more? And Simon answered, I suppose the one whom was cancelled the larger debt. And Jesus said, that's right. And then he turns to the woman and he, he explains to Simon that she's washing his, his feet with her tears. And he said, but you never offered to wash my feet when I arrived. He said, you never gave me any kiss of greeting, but she's not stopped kissing me since I got here, my feet. And you never offered to anoint my head with oil, which was a tradition. And yet she was anointing his feet with perfume. And Jesus then went on to say, he said, I tell you, her sins were many and have been forgiven. So she has shown so much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And then the woman said to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And the woman had had a very sinful life. Um, but she had shown towards Jesus repentance. She'd seen the need for forgiveness in her life. And she, could, and she saw that only Jesus could provide that. Simon, however, looked outwardly righteous. He was a Pharisee. And he wasn't showing that, <coughs> he wasn't showing that love, that um, type of love towards Jesus. Because he wasn't aware of how deep his sin was. Because in human terms, although the woman looked bad, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and fall short of God's standard. And Jesus was making the point that we must be aware of the sin debt that we all have owed. But when we come to Christ, that debt is paid. And it's knowing that gratitude and having that gratitude for what God has done for us because he loves us. Now, I struggled with this scripture because uh, Phil touched on this this morning, and I hadn't told Phil what I was going to say, but I didn't have an exciting testimony. I was not into ganglands. I was not into drugs. I've never smoked. Um, I've never drunk excessive alcohol. And yet, I'd seen the need for Christ in my life and accepted him. And I got saved when I was 16. And the first thing I wanted to do, I aspired to be an apostle. Because that's what you did, didn't you, Steve, when you got saved? Steve, remember? We all went to church with our ties on. And I had a great vision, or so I thought. But my ministry, or so I thought, had no, it had no substance. And I attended church, and I got involved in all aspects of church. But when it came to Sundays, I was very silent. I was quiet. I could stand in a room of 300 people and I could talk about sales strategies and the ergonomics of operator seating and the manufacturing processes of sofas and soft seating and cushions, but I couldn't go to the front of the church and read a scripture without being completely tongue-tied, red-faced and very apologetic. I know you find this all hard to believe, <laughs> But it's the truth. And I suppose intellectually I had all my ducks in a row, but there was a gap, there was something missing. And I would look at that scripture in Luke 7, and I excused myself from great acts or works for God, because I was a Simon, and my sin wasn't that great. I wasn't, a, I wasn't into drugs, I wasn't, I'd not murdered anybody. And it was so bad, and I'm almost ashamed to say this, 
But you know that scripture in Luke 15 where it says, when one person gets saved, the angels rejoice. And I used to have, and this is, this is true, this is from my heart. I used to have this vision that when, a, when a, a drug dealer got saved, the angels were going, yeah, 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 yeah. All shouting and hollering and praising God. And when I got saved, they were like... <laughs> I really believed that. I hadn't been forgiven that much. I didn't understand the cost of the Father's love to me. It's an amazing thing, the cost. But through a chain of events, which is often the case with God, I came to see and understand and experience the love of God, the love of the Father. I had been saved, and my experience of him was growing day by day, but I wasn't completely aware of the debt that he had paid. It wasn't a revelation to me, the Father's heart. And I came to a tipping point in my life. And I don't want to go too much into the story, but I felt like an orphan. I felt like an orphan. And I remember I had this revelation, which I'll come on to a bit later. But everybody around me knew something had changed. I was more vocal. I was more confident. And I want to say this morning that Jesus didn't save you quietly and apologetically and in a corner or in a shadow. But he saved you defiantly and boldly and triumphantly and publicly and with great joy. And when we get that revelation, it sets you free. And I really want us to see that this morning. I want us to see that the love of God, the revelation of the love of God sets us free. Because God loves us. When you experience the love of the Father, everything changes. When you understand his heart towards you, life is never the same again. Because as he said to the second son, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. You see, you don't need to have a drug-filled, alcohol-driven, murderous gangland life to appreciate your salvation. If you ask anyone who's had one of those, they wouldn't wish it on their best friend. Because our salvation is worth something. It would be remiss of me not to speak from here and quote 2 Corinthians (laughs) 5.17. Therefore, if any man, any man, woman or child, be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And I want you to know this morning that God has done something really, truly remarkable in your life. He saved you. He saved you. He saved you from a lost eternity. But the second son didn't appear to have that type of life because he was following his father. My life was a bit like that. Your, your life may be a bit like that today, I don't know. We do all the right things, but there's no joy, there's no liberty, there's no freedom, there's no life. And his father said to him, look dear son, you've always stayed with me, but everything I have is yours. And God's saying to us this morning, everything I have is yours, everything. I, my life just became so exciting when that happened. It's interesting to see that 
when the father met the first son, the first son started to say to him, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against my father. But before he could say, take me as your servant, the father interrupted him and he said, quick. And he said, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Kill the calf that I've been fattening. And this morning, for some of us, we need to put on a new robe. Because the robe speaks of position. And robes are important. If you're driving home today and a man steps out in front of the road and puts his hand out, you might drive around him. You might stop. You might drive over him. I don't know. (laughs) But if he was dressed like a policeman, you would stop. Because his robe means something. It shows his position. A ring on his finger. A ring talks about authority. And we have, the only authority we have is what God gives us. And sandals on his feet. Those in the word who didn't wear sandals were slaves. Sandals signify not being a free man. Being free. And then a calf was killed, a sacrifice was made. The sad thing is that the older son was already wearing all of those things. He had the robe, he had the ring, he had the sandals. But he was a slave because he didn't understand his position in Christ. He didn't understand that he had authority. He didn't understand that he was free. He didn't know it. And it's such a shame if we live like that, not knowing what God has done for us. Because everything was right in front of him. His father said to him, everything I have is yours. It always has been. But God loves us this morning. And he wants us to come into all the power, all the anointing, all the freedoms, all the life. He wants us to understand our position in Christ. To understand that we have been given all authority. That we're not a slave to the world or the things of this world. that That we're not a slave to anything in our lives. That we understand that all this has been made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus. Because we have a Father that loves us. Everyone relates to God on a, a concept of Him. And that concept can be formed by our experience or by someone else's experience or by someone else. And you may have had a bad experience with your earthly father. But God has revealed and will continue to reveal His nature and his will to us through the scriptures. And this is the only basis of truth which will set us free. Because in John 8.32 I read this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And for me, what happened was I was in a particular situation. I felt very down. As I said, I felt like an orphan. And I went into my office and I turn to those first few chapters of Matthew, which is where Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount. And I always find them extremely encouraging. And I felt God very clearly say to me, I want you to read the Psalms. Now, I'll let you into a little secret. I don't really like the Psalms. Because, you know, when you read the Psalms, these guys are either on the mountaintops or they're in the depths of depression, aren't they? You know, they're either dying or they're either, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And I never got a lot from the Psalms. And I just felt this tremendous impression from God to read the Psalms. 
And I sat in my office and I started to read the Psalms. And scriptures in the Psalms just leapt out at me. And before I'd got to Psalm 10, I, was, I just felt I'd had this revelation. And as I open the word now, I've, they're, all, they're all ringed now. Psalm 1. But they that delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, that their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Then I got to verse 7. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole world as your possession. 4 verse 4. Don't sin by letting anger control you, because I was angry. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. 5 verse 12. For you bless the godly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. And I could just go on and on and on. And I got to, verse te- I got to Psalm 10, and I had revelation. You see, anything that's contrary to revelation of God, as revealed in the scripture, is a lie. That's so important. Anything that's contrary to this word is a lie. Because God loves us. And these lies can become strongholds in our lives and they must be broken down. And a stronghold is a mindset that is impregnated with hopelessness. And it causes us to accept situations that then seem unchangeable and to accept situations that are contrary to the word of God. And this morning, we may be like the first son, far from God. You may not be saved. You may be saved but feel far from God today. But it's time to come back to him. It's time to get back on track, to put on a new robe and a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet. Or you may be like, we may be like the second son, not knowing or appreciating who we are in him, who we are in Christ. It's time to come and join the party. It's time to come and join the party. I would just like, that's all I've got to say. That's all I feel I need to say this morning. But I would just like everybody to close their eyes. And I'd just like to pray. I love you, says the Lord. Even before I made the world, I loved you. And I chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in my eyes. I love you, says the Lord. I watched you as you were being formed in utter seclusion, as you were woven together in the dark of the womb. I love you, says the Lord. I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life is and was recorded in my book. Every moment was and is laid out before a single day has passed. I love you, says the Lord. 
How precious are my thoughts about you, my child. They cannot be numbered. I love you, says the Lord, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for a disaster. To give you a future and a hope. I love you, says the Lord. For you can be reborn, not from a physical birth resulting from a human plan, but for a birth that comes from me. This morning, for some of us, we may need to make some adjustments. For some of us, this may be the first time that we're coming to Christ. For some of us, it may be that we need to get back on track to return to the Father and ask for forgiveness. We may be seeing God as our Father for the very first time. For some of us, we're just, we are realising that there is more. He has more for us. For some of us, we need to join the party. And as, as, we, as every eye is closed, as every heart is open to the Lord, if that's you this morning, I'd just like you to just raise your hand, just in recognition of God's word speaking to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. And I'd just like to pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. You love us with an everlasting love. And Lord, as we say those words, they are... They don't seem enough, Lord. They don't seem to quantify the, the vastness and the greatness and the all-consumingness of your love. And even now, our words fail. But Father, we know that you love us. We know in our hearts that you love us. And Father, I just pray for us all here this morning that if there are gaps where your love isn't evident in our lives, Lord, I just pray that you would fill those gaps that, Lord, we would know your presence now in a very real way. That, Lord, where there's hurt, you'll bring healing. Where there's doubt, you'll bring assurance. Where there's despair, Lord, you'll bring hope. Lord, I just pray that we would know the love of God in Christ Jesus this morning. That his hand would be towards us. That he would hold us in his arms like a father holds a child. And that, Lord, we would know his peace, Lord, in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please don't go this morning. If you raised your hand, don't go without asking someone to pray for you, maybe your life group leader or the person you're sat next to, myself or Phil, but just to seal something in your heart because God loves you. Amen. I, I really believe that there is um, some freedom for some people that resonate with what I'm about to read. <clears throat> it says this, the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and he pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave... Uh, yet you never gave me a young goat, etc., etc. And I really believe that um, if you're in this room and you feel like all these years I've been doing the right thing, or I've been doing, you know, what what I think I should be doing, 
I've been going along, going along, going along, and and I've been slaving for you. I've never, never disobeyed your orders. But um, it says here that he became angry and he refused to go in. And uh, I, I just really believe that that if you're here and you feel like um, I'm not really experiencing the freedom of what it means to be the, the son of God, a child of God, not experiencing that freedom that we see. What what happened when the, the other brother came back and there's this big party? Stephen was saying, join the party. <laughs> but if you're here and, and you're like, I just, I kind of feel like, you know, for years I've just been doing the right thing. Um, I, I've been here and I've been, um, you know, observing the party, but I've not really joined the party. Um, I, I just believe that there's freedom for you. You, there's there's a party for you <laughs> to join. <laughs> it, it's time to stop just doing the right thing, if that makes sense. You know, we should we should all do what God tells us tells us to do. But there's a difference between doing the right thing because we think that's what we're supposed to be doing, and actually receiving the freedom of what it means to be a child of God, to be in the party in the celebration of what happens when we are saved and we are in his family. Um, I can't describe it any other way than what I've read. He was angry. He didn't come in. And he said, all these years, I've been slaving for you. I've been doing the right thing. But I'm, I'm not in that party. God wants to give you that freedom this morning. And uh, I really believe if, if that's you, um, Stephen will lay hands on you and freedom will come for you. If you feel like, let me, let me put it this way. I feel like, you know, I come to church, sit, I kind of sit down, sing a few songs, go home. I've attended, so I'm doing the right thing. I pray every now and again. Like, those are great things, but that's not the freedom that God has for you. That's not the freedom he has for you. We're, we're not about just ticking boxes. It's about a life. It's a party, <laughs> right? Sharon is a party, isn't it? It's a party being a child of God. So that, that's, that's what I have to, I believe God is saying. He, he said, there's freedom for you if you want to experience that. Stephen will lay hands on you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.